Philippians chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. All right, so the question is, do you love your church? Do you love your church, right? And when I ask that question, a lot of people think right away, yeah, I love my church, I love the music, worship is fantastic. Oh, I love my, my church's preaching. I love the preaching there. I love the, 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 the location, whatever. But that's not what we're talking about. When I ask, do you love your church? I'm not asking, do you like the worship style? Or do you like the preaching? Uh, or anything like that. I'm talking about what the church really is. And the Bible tells us the word ecclesia is what the word church is in the Greek. And that means an assembly. That's an assembly of people. So what I'm asking you is, when I say, do you love your church, is do you love those people? <laughs> do you love those people? That's the question. And so, man, we, we, need, we need God's grace for that. Uh, that's the theme of Paul here as he writes these Philippians. And really, his, his love is the model, right? His love for the people of God. And, and he's going to be telling the Philippians how they need that love as their foundation in order to accomplish any of the things that we need to do for the glory of God. So, so Paul, he, 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 he has this joy, right? And many people, they say, well, joy is the main theme of the book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, the joy that Paul had when he prayed for those believers uh, in his heart. But really, folks, the foundation of that joy is love. If we look at the fruit of the Spirit, the first fruit is what? Love, then joy, then peace. They all spring from this love that God sheds abroad in our hearts uh, for each other. So, so Paul wanted to see them. The, the reason that's so important to, to have that foundation and to love each other, that's what, that's what this is about. This Really, the book of, of Philippians is about a church being unified together, living in unity, being humble, serving each other, loving each other. And, and, and the only way that's going to happen is through the grace of God, obviously. But what P Paul wants them to understand is that, that the reason they want that is because of the joy and the flourishing that comes. I mean, Paul wanted to see them flourish as a community, a community of believers. He wanted them to experience the joy that comes from being genuinely humble and truly counting others as more important than themselves. And he wanted them to experience the supernatural joy that comes when a church prioritizes unity above preference. That's really what, what we all need, right? We, we need to understand that there's a great reward for loving each other. It's a joy that you can't even express. But it only comes when we begin to prioritize unity for the gospel above personal preference. And we truly love each other. So that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. I know it's a lot. This is a big one, folks. So let's pray. That's why in our prayer we just pray, God, open my heart. Look deep into those hidden corners. I can, we can all put on the facade when we come in here. How you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. We don't even have to smile right now if you're wearing a mask. You don't have to do that. You don't have to fake that. You just go, hey, good morning. Good to see you. Yeah. So behind that mask, you're not even smiling. Uh, but yet we are praying that God busts through the facade, right? The hypocrisy, the, the true, the, 
cut right to the chase, man, of who we really are. Do we love each other? Because a local church at its core is nothing but people. It's you. It's me. We're gathered here. We are the church. Do you love your church? So, Father God, use your word today to break into our hearts. Challenge us in this area. Cause us to genuinely love each other. How do we know what that is? That's what the word of God's for. And that's what we're praying today. It reveals to us. So let's notice Philippians 1, 7. And, and Paul says in verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Now, Paul's writing from a prison. We've already said that, but he's, 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 he's very joyful because he's thinking about people he loves. And he's writing them and saying some good things. What is he feeling here when he says, it's, it's right that I feel this way about you? Or um, um, that word in the Greek is really could be translated think. It's right this way that I had this opinion of you, that I'm thinking about this uh, in my heart about you. What way? Well, just for a review, verses 3 through 6, tell us what he's thinking about them. He says, I thank my God on my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my, uh, my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Those are what Paul's thinking. Paul's thinking about them. He's saying, it's right for me to think of you as co-laborers in Christ together. It's, it's right for me to, to, to see that God is doing a work in you. He's begun the good work. He's working in you. He will complete that work. It's right for me to think this about you because I love you. You're in my heart. Christ has put you in my heart. And, I, and, I, and therefore, it's natural to think these good things about you because that's what love does, right? It, it thinks the best. It, it hopes for all. It hopes for the best for each other. And so we naturally love. I'm telling you, it's like this. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's like Paul simply saying, I hold you in my heart, therefore I love you. I'm thinking of you, therefore I love you. Period. No question. Yeah, but Paul, I was mean to you. That's okay. I love you. I mean, I'm thinking of you and I love you. That's, that's his thing. I see you and I love you. So um, a couple in Dallas adopted two sisters from China, and their name was Gabby and Lily. And uh, Gabby, the four-year-old at the time, made this video that went viral. And so um, put that up there. There's a picture I think we have. Yeah. This is her, and it's, uh, she said these words to her new adopted mother, and it just, it's, it's, I, I would play it, but it would, we'd all cry for a while, but it's just like, she says this, she said to her mother, do you know what happened to my heart? Well, when I saw you, my heart fell in love with you, all right? That was it, that's all it took. When I saw you, my heart fell in love with you. You didn't have to do anything for me, uh, you know, I just saw you, I loved you. <laughs> And, and really, folks, this message is as simple as that. For the Christian, for the believer, in a local church, members of one another, in Christ, filled with the Spirit, being sanctified by the Spirit, together, this is it. We see each other, and we love each other. That, that's it. You say, no, it can't be that simple. No, it is. John 15, 12, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Huge. The commandment for us as believers, the number one thing that Christ is saying to his people that make up his church, his body, that are gathered together week in and week out, day in and day out, is that we love each other. It's literally that easy. It's this, I see you, John, and I love you. Yeah, are you amazed? No, I love you, right? I, I mean, it, it, that's it. I, I see you, Betty, and I love you. 
Why? You're my sister in Christ. So, so we're going to put this together through this message as Paul builds this out for us a little bit. And we're going to see that, that it is possible by the grace of God. But, but look at verse uh, 7 again. Let's, let's build this through. It says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. My heart saw you and I loved you and I've never stopped. It's 10 years later. I'm now in prison, but I'm thinking about you guys and I love you. For, for you all, for you were all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So he's reminding them that you, you were partakers together, right? We're, that, that's that word fellowship, koinonia. We are in this together. And it's in tangible ways, not just a, a emotional, physical bond. There is an emotional feeling of love for each other. That's okay. We can't be afraid of that. There is this, I, this, this thing of feeling and saying, man, I, I really love you. I'm emotional about you. I care for you. But there's also a tangible way that love is shown. And one of the ways Paul's saying is, you, you guys are partners with me in my imprisonment. How? Well, here's Epaphrodites. You, you sent him with a care package for me. You guys took a sacrificial gift. You gave of things that you may not have been able to give, but you gave anyway to supply my needs. We're doing this together. We're living this life together. But also, he says, you're, you're, you're defending the gospel and you're confirming the gospel that I confirm and defend. We're in this together. This truth that we believe that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and he changed us by his grace. He adopted us as sons and daughters. He's filled us with his spirit and we are now his ambassadors. We're in this together and we're defending that truth together. And we may suffer together. And that even makes the bond that much stronger, right? I mean, let's continue. I was going to say something, but, but here it is. I mean, it's like this. You know, the, the idea is that, that Christians have a bond because of the Spirit, because we're siblings. You know, we have the same blood coursing through our spiritual veins, the blood of Christ, right? Unites us all. So we are literally brothers and sisters. Many of you will confess, as I have confessed through the years, that I am many times much closer with my spiritual family in the church than I am with my physical blood relatives who don't know Christ. There's a bond that goes huge. It's some, Steve Lawson likened it to a welder who takes two sheets of steel, puts them together, and welds them together. That's a strong, that's a strong bond. You're not breaking that. And that's what we have been. We've been welded together in Christ as one. So genuine believers recognize this. And then they see that we're going to suffer all things in common as a result of that. But look at this. Here it is. How deep should we love? All right, Philippians 8. He builds this out now. So because of all of this background, Paul's saying we're together. We're one. I love you because you, just because I think of you, I love you. If I saw you, I'd love you. I mean, I see you in my mind's eye, so I love you. My heart saw you and I loved you. Look what he says, verse 8. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Do we, do we see that? I know yearn is a strange word we don't use much. You don't just call your wife, I'm yearning for you today, honey. <laughs> we don't normally use that word, yearn. It means to long for, to desire to be with somebody in such a powerful way. 
And that's what Paul's saying. I yearn, I, I desire so to be with you. How much? I, I, I desire to be with you and I love you with all my guts. I know we say love you with all your heart, but literally that word there, that affection, the word of, uh, affection there is, is the word for intestines or bowels. It literally is. This innermost part, my tummy yearns for you. I'm telling you, we laugh at that, but do you remember young, you remember guys being young? I mean, that's a question in itself, but do you remember back when you met that woman you love today? And, and, and we call it butterflies in the stomach. Remember that, that feeling you got? Even in here, you, you know, we, we say words sometimes, I love you so much it hurts, right? In the stomach, right? And that's what Paul is saying here. I love you with all my guts. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but that's, that's just what he's trying to convey here with all of his inner being. He feels a part of these people. And, and we don't really understand this because we're so superficial. We use words all the time. Oh, hi, I like you. I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love you. Love you. Love you. I mean, I have to confess, I got to do a habit with my wife. We do that. We take each other for granted sometimes, right? And I used to, you know, when we're hanging up, it's kind of like, love you, mean it, bye. Blink, leaving the house. Love you, mean it, bye. That's not kind of a catchphrase. Love you, mean it, bye. Really? Wow, we got to be careful. And that's kind of how we do with each other as Christians. That's how we do God. Love you, mean it, bye, God. I'm going about my day. Instead of having this deep yearning. I mean, we should be getting excited on Saturday night that we're going to see each other. We should be preparing for the meeting of God's people. It should be that our families understand. We've taught our kids enough to understand that, you know, we love God's people so much that we're excited to get ready for church. This, this, this gathering on Sunday where, where God's people come together, that's a priority for us. That's a priority for our life. And our whole life is kind of built around that gathering of, of God's people. Yeah, we see them during the week as well. But there's a, a special time where all of God's people are called to come that we're not supposed to forsake that assembling. And it's not a duty. I mean, it's not just a discipline. Yes, you must discipline yourself. But it's got to go beyond that. So most of our kids grow up with us. If we're honest, parents, where did they learn this idea? To say, oh, great, Sunday morning, I got to get for church. Oh, great, Scott, I got to go deal with it. Deal with those people. I got to put on that smile, walk in there and say, I love you. Oh, boy, we can get, let's, let's bear through until lunch. Let's do it. Let's get this done. Where did they get that attitude? More than likely from you. Right? We've got to, all of us have got to be convicted here. It's like that old joke, man, where the, the pastor wakes up, he's, he's, he's Sunday morning, he's mad, he's like, oh, I don't want to go to church, right? I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go. His wife says, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. Why? Because you're the pastor. Give me one good reason why. Because you're the pastor. But, but, but what I'm saying is, what Paul's saying, there should be something that drives us beyond any other description. It we don't need any other reason to long to be here other than each other. A love for each other. Why? Because Christ indwells each of us and we love him. So this is what he said. Love each other, Christ said. This is my commandment, that you love each other as I have loved you. So again, it's not just this thing of saying, I love you with our lips. It's giving ourselves. What did Christ do? He loved us and he gave himself for us. Ephesians says Christ loved the church. That's the people. And he gave himself for them. And so where's your heart today? Where's my heart today? Paul says, concerning this, once he lays that down, he gives the example, here's how to love. Here's how I love you. This is the love of Christ in me, but it's, and it's the only way I can do this, but I love you with a love that just causes me to just think of you constantly, pray for you constantly. Be, I'm concerned about what's, what you're concerned about. I care about what you care about. I hurt when you hurt. I laugh when you laugh. 
You see, that, that's, that's living life together as the body of Christ. In love, that's real love. Then he says this in, in verses 9 through 10. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with, with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Wow, what a, what a powerful statement here. God's begun a good work, he said in you. I know that, people. I see that in you, he says. And I know that if he began that good work, he's going to continue that good work. And what, how will that good work be seen? It'll be seen when you love one another, where our love for each other abounds. And when he mentions there about approving that which is excellent and, and using discernment, that's what real love does. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. How does that work? It's not just a flippant, some kind of pie-in-the-sky love again. It's not just an idealistic, romantic kind of love. It's a love that has discernment. It has knowledge. It, it, it's, it's not just a blind thing, but it's, it's, it, it, it looks for truth and it has discernment. We'll talk about that. But ultimately, we are presented with that kind of love, blameless at the day of Christ. That's total sanctification. When we stand before God, this is what Paul's saying. By the Spirit of God, we are going to be sanctified in this way that we will love each other. We will love each other. He will cause us to love each other by his, his grace. He will shed his broad, he will shed his love abroad in our hearts that we can shed it to each other like a dog sheds, right? We, we should be shedding love with each, on, onto each other. We should leave this place on a Sunday morning, heaven to say, whew, man, too much love, lots of love. I gotta, they shed all over me. But look, this, 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 this sanctification is never easy, right? It's not. In any, any, any way that God is working on us, it's not easy. And, and we don't even want to do it. Because let's be honest, when I start preaching a message about loving each other, boy, we all say, oh boy, good night. If we're honest. And if we're talking about real love, we know what that means. That means it's going to cost us a little bit. It's going to take effort to push the extra mile. It's, it's going to use those words that Corinthians uses that we'll look at. It's going to talk about forbearing each other, being patient with each other. And that's, that's impossible. We don't want to do it, but it's also impossible for us to do in our, in our flesh. Why? Because, well, we're selfish. And we're greedy. And we're arrogant. And we're proud. We are. We like things the way we like them. And we like comfort zones. And when it comes to dealing with people, even though we're community kind of people, humans need other people, it's hard, right? To actually want to live an honest life with people. So let's look at this. The glorious thing about this is, as I've already said, it's, our flesh doesn't want to do this. It's hard. And yet look at Philippians 1, and if we put 9 with verse 11 now, look what, this, what the Bible assures us of. Verse 9 says, and it is my prayer that you love, your love abound more and more. Paul is saying this to a local church. The context is plain. He says, here's my love for you. Now my prayer is that your love abound more and more, obviously for each other. That's who he's talking to. So that's the command that Paul's reiterating from Christ, that your love may grow, continue to grow and grow and grow. 
And, and then we do that. We say, we cry a little bit and say, I can't do it. But look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. Here's the sanctification truth. We can do this because we're filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see that? The fruit of the Spirit is what? The fruit of righteousness. The same thing, folks. The, what is that fruit that comes through the grace of God as we have now become his children? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, all those things. That, those are all fruit from the Spirit within us. That's sanctification. The Spirit is doing these things. He's working these things out in us. And what are we doing? We're surrendering daily to the Spirit. Saying, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. That means we surrender to the Spirit. And we're obeying God's commands. And we're saying, God, I'm going to obey this. And the only way I'm going to obey this is by your Spirit in me. And we go forward. So, so all I want to do now is just some closing applications because that's the word, right? That is it. God commands us to love people. We don't like people. So how are we going to do that? Well, he says, my grace is sufficient. My, my spirit is in you. And you have the very fruit that I'm talking about in you through the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience with each other. That's all there through the spirit. And the idea and the picture of sanctification is that begins to work out when we begin to love and forgive and be patient with each other. So just some quick Closing applications. What does this love look like for us? And Paul is consistent with this, by the way, with this message through, through all of his letters to the churches. Philippi, Philippi Ephesus, Corinth, all, all these places he wrote. Let, let's look at Corinth. He wrote the church at Corinth. They were really messed up. I mean, all churches are messed up, but this is just an example. Kind of gives us a break, like, hey, yeah, we're all sinners, right? The church is not full of a bunch of perfect people. This idea of people say, I don't want to go to church, it's full of hypocrites. No, it's full of sinners. <laughs> but God's grace is seen, right? In that body of believers when the Spirit of God begins to work these things out in us. That's, that's where God gives glory. So look at this, what, what Paul said in Corinthians when he said, here's what love, your love should look like. Verse 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. So you see that right there is, is here's, here's what the Spirit's telling us. Love each other like this. Be patient with people and be kind to people. Don't be a boaster. Don't envy others. It's not arrogant or rude. Don't be rude with other people. Don't be arrogant. Don't think of yourself more and that you're more than somebody else. It does not insist on its own way. Wow. Sila. Think on that. It does not insist on its own way. That's love. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. Right? And all of these things are works of the flesh. <laughs> right? Somebody says something that you don't like, don't agree with, and what's our first word? I resent that. Hmm. <laughs> You've offended me. I wouldn't do it like that. Man, I've got more knowledge about that in my pinky than you do in your whole body. I, you know, whatever. I, I know more about that. It happens a lot with age, right? 
some young person will tell us they're excited about something or try to even say, hey, uh, was that right? You did that. And what do we say? I was, do, I was preaching before you, when you were a sparkle in your mother's eye. <laughs> that's arrogance. And that's pride. And if I, if I love, if I open myself up to love as the, way, the way God tells me to love people, then I'm going to be able to listen. And the benefit of that, the blessing in that, is that I'm going to learn something. Even from somebody who I feel in my flesh, I'm better than. Or I know more than. But the blessing that God is trying to give us here is that, no, no, you will be enriched by each other if you can humble yourselves. And again, by his grace, we begin to see this happen. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And here's some powerful stuff. Love bears all things. Love bears. It's, it's, it's forbearing. Patient, that's another word for patience. It believes all things, hopes all things. This is the idea of us wanting the best for other people, not looking for their demise, because we just can't wait till they get theirs. Now, I can't wait till they get theirs. These are thoughts, folks, that we also have in the church. I know we act like, oh, that, that criminal got you know, what he deserved. No, no, we actually, as sinners in a church, in our flesh, get mad at somebody in our church, and then we can't wait in our recesses of our heart, in the deep places where we can fake it, smile at them, good morning, but we're waiting for something to happen in their life that we can say, ha ha, finally. That's the sin that Paul's hitting the church with. There's no love there. That's not love. I mean, that's the love, that's, that's, that's the love that Christ had on, the, on a cross where he's being spit at mocked. He's been falsely tried, been lied about his whole life. He's now on a cross, naked before the world, a sham. And he says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. I don't want to see them burn in hell. I don't want to see your wrath poured out on them. Forgive them. For they know not what they do. That, that hoping for the best, even though somebody is terrible to you. This, what real love is, and again, this is why it's out of our power and we must around the Spirit, but true love that Christians have for each other in the church is that no matter what has happened, what somebody has said to you or done to you, your heart is, Father, I hope the best for them. May your grace move in them. Transform them into the beauty of, of, of your Son. That's what it's talking about here, man. This is what it means to love each other. Great peace have those who love God's law and nothing will offend them because our focus is on God's commands for us and his command for us is to love each other. It's hard. I'm, I mean, okay, let me continue. Here it is. Genuine love. Genuine love then. That, because when you look at these verses, by the way, love is patient, love is kind, love is forbearing. It's, it hopes all things, believes all things. Some would translate that who, who don't get in deeply to the text would say, oh, that's saying we've got to go along to get along. We just got to always look at everything rightly and kindly and never, never call anybody out in their sin. That's not what it's saying. To genuinely love each other is, does not mean to go along just to get along. It does not mean that we somehow condone sin or permit things. We don't acquiesce to, to wrong. That's not what that means. Now, there's a difference, and here's what I want us to understand. Two things. G real love, loving the body of Christ, is confronting sin. So let's understand that. Confronting sin 
is loving the body, but then there's a thing, another thing we've got to do, and that is agree to disagree on preferences. There's sin that needs to be called out, and there are preferences <laughs> which need to be for, forborn. If you, for, for, we forbear that, right? We, we, just, we agree to disagree. And what do we do? We love each other. So that's, that's what I really want to grab here. This is kind of the application a little bit that we can do here because we've got this idea of in the body of Christ, we're going to do things that are wrong. We understand that. And if I really love you, I'm not just going to say, oh, it's okay. Just keep on being mean and nasty and rude. Nope, that's not the love that Paul's talking about. Yeah, so, 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 so notice this. There, this is the tension in all this. Let me give you an example because when somebody blatantly, blatantly, blatantly breaks a command of Scripture... Thou shalt not, right? I'm talking, there it is. When somebody does that, then we are called by love to confront that because that's bad for them and for us and for the whole body. Now here's an example. Somebody brags to you and says, hey man, I cheat on my income tax. I'm gonna, I am going to get a huge refund now. Whoops. That's sin. That shall not lie. That shall not steal. You're basically stealing. And if we love somebody, we're going to say, you know what, man, I love, there, there's a problem here. We need to address this. We need to kind of talk about what's, what's causing you to, to think that way. Somebody brags about saying, well, I leave the store and sometimes I have bonus items <laughs> in my purse. <laughs> and believe it or not, I know you're laughing, but I've heard Christians actually say that. And it's a sin that people battle with. And they, they, it's a high sometimes. They steal little bitty items that aren't even a big deal. And so they justify, well, it's no big deal. But there's this high that comes with that. But, but it's an addiction type thing, right? But it's still, what? It's sin because the Bible's plain. Thou shalt not steal. Oh, but little things, God. Thou shalt not steal, period. So again, this is where we confront somebody and say, I, lo I love you enough to say, okay, we're not just going to look that over. Because that's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt all of us. Probably, and there's many, obviously, we can go on and on. But... One of the ones I really want to address real quick by example, somebody sees the need always to come to you and share the latest juicy news about somebody. The latest and greatest stuff. And they, of course they want to pray for the person. That's why, oh, I have a prayer concern about so-and-so, but did you hear that blah, 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 blah? Gossip, gossip is a sin. The Bible condemns that. And why? Because that destroys a body, that destroys the unity of the body of Christ more and quicker than anything. And that's why it's so much repeated in the epistles. Do not gossip. Do not bear false witness. Do not slander. Don't lie about people. Even, even, and it's, I confess this because I'm a human and it's easy to do. We've got to watch the spirit of arrogance that causes us to even make fun of somebody who did something right now. It's okay to joke. With, there's the, again, the tension is there. If we know somebody and love somebody, yes, we can kid each other. There should be this love that, that's there, Right? But when it crosses the line, it becomes a very derogatory and constantly put down and we're never trying to build somebody up. That's a problem. That's sin. And so these are things that need to be confronted in the body of Christ. And it begins with you and I. If I love somebody, let's just make it a, a, a pact between us, shall we today, my, my good men and women? <laughs> that when people come to us with some kind of a, of, a, of a news about somebody else, we just stop it. The only way, only way to stop gossip is with you. When it comes to you, you stop it. And, and, and again, this is a, a principle we've got to realize is that, is that if, if, if there is a problem, then that person must talk to the person they're talking about. That's who they've got to go to. 
And that's who we've got to point them to. Did you talk to them about that? That's our response. Hey, did you know so-and-so is starting with it? Did you talk to them? And maybe that's the only approach you could do that, to go to an elder and say, hey, somebody is, this is what they've done. And then we go to them together. But we don't sit around and keep talking and talking and talking and talking about them and spreading it around the whole church. So this is the principle. If you have ought against your brother, go to them. If there's something you think they're doing wrong, go to them. If there's something you heard about them, don't keep talking about it. Go to them. And then if there's a problem and they're not listening, that's when you do go to somebody else, tell them the problem in order to take them with you to have two or three witnesses go and help a brother or sister out. That's it. I encourage us to get to that kind of love. But let me go on and, and move to the next part, and then we're going to be finished. But that's, that's the idea of confronting sin. Love in the church does confront sin, and by God's grace, he gives us the grace to do that. We don't do it in, in an arrogant way. We don't do it in a rude way. We're still patient. We're still kind. Do you see that? We apply all of that in our confrontation with each other as we're standing for the truth. That's love with knowledge and discernment. That's what Paul said, right? We love, but we don't, that doesn't mean it overlooks everything. That means it has discernment. So in kindness and gentleness, we approach those issues. But the second issue is one that happens where we begin to judge everybody over preference. It's not a command in scripture. <laughs> it's a personal preference. Oh, now, now, what about this? I mean, you know, I mean, somebody's doing something that's not outlined and there's no mandate in scripture either way for it what do we do in those cases where i disagree with somebody's preference something they like that i don't like we show grace here's some example <laughs> let's say that you have a personal preference in your family oh we could go all day <laughs> fortunately i only have two of my notes and you stop me if i go any further but one of these is, let's just say that you have a preference in your family. We do not watch R-rated movies. I'm, I, that's, that's fine. There, there's, every family should care enough about their family. Say, we have some, some standards and some things that we think are helpful for us to, to live by and to keep our family uh, living in. That, that's, that's great. However, the difference is you then, since the Bible doesn't ever explicitly say, thou shalt not watch R-rated movies then you cannot come and begin to dictate that conviction to everybody. Right? And it, you hear somebody, they watch the movie, oh, did you know that was R-rated? You are a blasphemer. <laughs> you know, you should be shunned. Shun the R-rated movie watcher. And that's sometimes an attitude we have, right? So we can't do that. Because that's a preference. Not an not a ex explicit command. And besides, just for food for thought for those who would do that, isn't it funny that you would have, those who would have just blatantly, legalistically enforced that rule, no R-rated movies, you would have deprived most of us from, from watching The Passion of Christ. Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. Now, again, I am not condoning, you're gonna, I know, all oh, pastors that we watch R-rated movies. I didn't say that. I just said the principle here is when we have a preference that we have as a family and you have the liberty to do that and that's wonderful, but we don't, we don't begin to judge each other over that stuff. What do we do? We love each other. That's where love comes in. I'm gracious with you even if I disagree with you on something that is not pertinent to the gospel. For the sake of the gospel and the going forth of the commission of Christ, and the unity of the brothers and sisters in the bonds of peace. I love you. I love you. And we can go on. We can go forward. We can agree to disagree on that. 
So, what should our attitude be about a person who wears masks? Um, and what should our attitude be toward a person who doesn't wear masks? So, I know that I already feel the arguments forming in the minds on both sides. But blah, 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 blah. And hey, but blah, 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 blah. And you don't love. And you love too much. And you don't love, blah, blah, blah. And, but love calls me right now not to get into that. <laughs> love says, you know what? Love says, you're my brother and sister in Christ. And here, I'm just going to say this. Since the Bible doesn't have a mandate on that, it does have a mandate to love and not love. But here again is our problem. Love with discernment and knowledge and if some say, you know, the evidence to me says this, and somebody else may say, the evidence is kind of saying this, okay, there's a preference all of a sudden. And what our main objective is as a church is to be kind, to be gentle, to be forbearing, and to love. Love each other. Agree to disagree on that, okay? And, and I'm going to just throw this in. I know, but, no, I'm not. Okay, because I said I wouldn't. That, those examples I think you've got. But here it is, because Paul goes on to build this up in Ephesians. Now, we are very much almost finished. But Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, what about this? Paul gives, us, gives the, the Ephesus church the, the, the vision of what it looks like when, when love is operating. Because things are passing away in the lives of people, and things are building up in the lives of people. Their, their attitudes are changing. For one thing, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you all gossip, bitterness, clamor, just confusion. And man, a lot of the things we're fighting about, as I just mentioned on our last point about preference, is nothing but clamor. Does that make sense? A lot of clamor. Satan loves clamor. The enemy loves clamor in the local church. Confusion, clamor, discord. It leads to all this other stuff. Hurting people's feelings, being arrogant. I'm right, you're wrong. Along with all malice, get rid of that stuff, he says. Instead, look at this. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There's our, there's, there's our motive. That's what the Spirit continues to remind us of as believers. That's the sanctifying power of forgiveness, right? That the Spirit reminds us, such were some of you. You were there. And then the Spirit may gently remind us, you know what? You may not be right on everything either. I know, it's a shock to some that you may not be right on every issue. But you know what? I, I know one thing is true. I was wrong on every issue to God. I was a rebel. I was the opposite of holy. He is holy. I am unholy. He is light. I am darkness in my core and as I come out of my mother's womb. And yet he forgave me. And as brothers and sisters in a local church, that is our bond. We may not agree on a bunch of stuff, and we don't have to thank the Lord. But the one thing we do have is this bond that says we were all forgiven so much. And let us keep our eyes on the one who forgave us, Christ. And let us keep our eyes on his commission. Go preach the gospel and love one another. That's, his, that's what he said. So here, first John gets a little tougher, and I'm gonna, I promise we're going to end this at some point. 1 John 4, 20 through 21. Listen to what this, we can't get past this. So anybody here who professes to know Jesus Christ and have the Spirit indwelling you, this is, this is, this is 
This is the mic drop in a sense. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother and sister. That's, that's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just a must. So some of you may know I'm the chaplain for the Miami Township Fire Department. And yesterday was part of a service where we honored a fallen brother who died in the line of duty in a, in a fire in a house rescuing where they thought there was somebody in the house. This is about 15, about 20 years ago now. They finally put a memorial up for him. But neighbors said there's somebody in the house and the firefighters are doing the, the rounds as they do the, 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 you know, checking the house and structure, but it's fully engulfed. And they came back out, did everything the right way. Neighbors insisted, somebody in there, somebody in there. And he went back in and him and the partners, as you do, and as he was, he just got too much. He had to back out. And as he backing out, the floor collapsed. He fell into the basement where the flames were. He was found rather quickly by his brothers and sisters of the, of the department, but he had suffered 65 degree burns all over, especially his, his, his head. And he died about 12 days later. But that's obviously what firemen understand. They understand that this is our job, right? And we, we go to places and we don't know if we're coming back, but we're called to this service, right? We, we, we wanna give our lives for, for people. We wanna, we wanna rescue, that's what we're doing. And the reason I bring that, there's a, there's a phrase, right? It's called, when the tones drop. Okay, the idea is tones, when a firehouse receives a call that there's a structure fire, there's tones, a series of beeps and buzzes and tones that come over the radio. And so it's called the tones dropping, and then you take off. But here it is, here's, 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 the, here's, here's the phrase that we've, we've got to remember. Because the phrase among brothers and sisters in the fire department is, when the tones drop, we become one. When the tones drop, we are one. Meaning, uh, we're, we're sitting at lunch, we're eating, and we're talking about Democrat and Republican, and we're not agreeing, and we're talking about this and that issue, and, and we're not agreeing, but when the tones drop, it's all done. It doesn't, we're one. We're united. We've got each other's back. We're going forward for the cause that, we're, that we were called for as one, period. Nothing matters now. And folks, for those of us in Christ, the tones dropped the minute the Spirit filled us. The tones dropped for us when God gave us the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so we, we are one, period. Let, let that be the call of God's word today. That's what he's saying. Here's the tone God dropped, man. It is this, that you love one another. Whatever it takes, whatever you've got to confess, whatever sin you've got to deal with in order to love that brother and sister, we need to deal with it. That's what the Bible's saying. May God give us the grace. Why? Because there's great benefit. Do you, have you ever been a part of that unity of something, whether it's your family or our church, and just felt that joy that comes from the unity, the peace? It's worth it, folks, to rest in the truth of God's word and to deal with the sin in our own lives and begin to love people you never thought you'd love. Thank God for his grace. And when we do that, when we do that as a local church, this community is going to be affected. Why? Because it's this, Jesus said, 
by your love shall all men know that you're my disciples when you love one another. Let's pray for that kind of love.